0: faith here with a welcome toast. It was Gail Sheehy who said, when men reach their 60s and retire, they go right to pieces. Women just go right on cooking. Please feel free to consume this show podcast in small bites or eat the whole thing. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. Feel that hot blood in my body. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. My treasured food buddies are here. Senior contributors Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, Mark Raymond, and senior producer Robin doyon Aiken. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey. All right, Chris, you and I were talking about this before, how hard it is for everybody to make eggs and feel, feel like they're doing it the right way. There's something to it. Everyone
1: thinks you can just put the egg in the pan and it's done. But there's little tricks that you can be taught.
0: I don't know about you, Robin, but I feel like my eggs, my scrambled eggs are okay. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll <laughs> yeah. pass muster. No one just runs from the table. But I never feel that they're correct or the best I could do. And I think, how do people, I've tried this, I've tried that, how do people do it? So, I met a guy, I went to the Thimble Islands B&B. This Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. just a gorgeous little B&B on the water in Brantford, Stony Creek, creek, where all the Thimble Islands are. So it's Thimble Islands B&B. The guy who is the co-host of the Mm -hmm. place, the co-owner of the place, Tony Broom, is a magnificent scrambled egg cooker egg I master said, we call them what in the world <laughs> egg, egg, an egg master. master yeah i said uh-huh. what in the world do you do to these eggs you've uh-huh. got to tell me so i've got him on the phone <laughs> i thought i'm dying to hear yeah let's find out what he does tony welcome to the food schmooze
2: hello faith how
0: are you well it's great to have you on the show would you walk us through how you make scrambled eggs for your guests in the morning
2: Sure, I like to get the eggs out and uh, let them get a little more toward room temperature than coming right out of the refrigerator. Yeah, uh, but then I'll break them into our you know a mixing bowl. I saw Anthony Bourdain one time on TV, and he says only eggs, just beat them a little bit, and he sort of folds them over, and they have streaks of white in them. Well, I have to disagree with him. Um, Hundred <laughs> percent. I'll add salt. Then I add just a little bit of milk or half and half, and I uh, beat them uh, with a beater, you know, a mechanical mixer, an yeah. egg beater,
0: and oh, an electric, it's an electric beater.
2: You know, so-called great tip.
0: What does that do, Chris? Gets more air in there?
1: Mm-hmm. Loosens them up, sure.
0: Okay. So uh-huh. there Gets we air go. in them, yeah. And just for a minute or two, you beat them?
2: Yeah. No, I don't want to overbeat them. You know, then the, the proteins get strung out or something. Uh, <laughs>
0: okay. Now we have the pan. What goes in the pan?
2: A uh, pat of butter, and mm-hmm. I use a nonstick pan. Okay. And then on a low flame, I pour the eggs in. I would have to say that I think the secret here is constantly having them moving using a rubber spatula and constantly scraping the bottom of the pan. Scraping sounds a little harsh, but just constantly moving the eggs around so that they're cooking evenly and slowly. Yes,
0: Ah, we have
2: a mantra where we say
1: small, soft, creamy curds as you're mixing because that's what you're looking for. Exactly. And you keep moving the eggs. You don't let them sit. You just keep moving and moving them. And I think the people always try to make them too hot, the flame too hot. You want a nice low
2: to medium low flame. takes a little longer, and mm-hmm. you really have to be there. You can't be doing something else.
3: Yeah, buttering so you,
0: toast. Stay
3: yeah, with those right. eggs.
2: Stay with those eggs. Stay with the eggs.
0: And the flame is on low during this whole time. Yeah, The texture of these eggs, it's like a little souffle. I mean, it's just beautiful. Right? Creamy, light, fluffy. Tony, congratulations. Tony's an egg master. (laughs) He's an (laughs) egg master. The guy is. So, Tony, I don't know. I'm just going to start stopping by at breakfast time. <laughs> <laughs> the we Island, all are. <laughs> the Thimble Islands B&B. In,
2: well, we'll be here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a spot you have looking out on, on the water like that. I mean, you feel like you're
2: on a boat. It's just well, incredible. Well, we have uh, personal flotation devices under the bed. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but the eggs, they are the thing. And that mm. what's that
0: caramelized? I think I took a picture of it. The caramelized French toast?
2: Oh, the creme brulee French toast. Oh, my God. This oh, is boy. so nutty. That just sounds good. Is that it dessert? Is, it, <laughs> no,
0: it is nutty delicious. Well, that,
2: that's Julie's forte. I'm going to oh,
0: find uh, out how she does that on another show. Um, Tony Broom, who is co-host and owner of the Thimble Islands B&B in Stony Creek, Connecticut, where they make, after you've stayed there, the best scrambled eggs on the planet, I think. I've never tasted anything like them. They're just magnificent. Thank you, Egg Master.
2: Well, thank you.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. We'll put some egg stuff up on the site. So that's at Fujmo's Dot O-R-G, and we'll link to the B&B. So I don't know if you can call them and say we want to come yeah, for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but come on. Get away. We yeah, can get away! It's, it's gorgeous. Right. So that. And I, we should have Julie on to talk about that French toast. Mm-hmm. Is it crispy like so, a creme brulee? Yes, the sugar's it's caramelized totally on top? just delicious. Right, right. right. Okay. It um, is brunch season. That's right. Let's open up the conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, what would we do for brunch? What do you serve? Do you do the mimosa thing? What is, what is your Cara. brunch? drink cava, mm. cava. Yeah, so cava for people cava. who don't know what that is yeah. spanish
4: it's spanish sparkling wine from barcelona
0: and it's very dry
4: very dry brute
0: and bone dry so affordable
4: and so delicious but yeah you, but the quality is very high it's always, great quality yeah i love cava, I love too. cava yeah. myself Yeah, that would be Absolutely. my
0: favorite and i actually prefer it without stuff in it you know I, the yeah. orange juice or Greek. the peach oh, yeah. juice so mimosa juice or without good. orange juice I, I that's, just, that's how I like I it. Just that's like it. The, you just I just like the, spark. sans the, the sparkling juice. wine with eggs. I yeah. think yeah. is just fantastic combination. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I don't know, but what do sparkling you do, wines Robin? With what, what do you do? What, what's your go-to drink?
3: Well, right along the lines of cava, I have made mimosas with prosecco. That works. I'm kind of a classic. Yeah, yeah. Even if you have other drinks there, other brunch drinks, you still have to have a mimosa. Yeah, yeah. and do you do freshly
0: squeezed oh, orange sure. juice? Oh or? sure. Of course. Of mm. course. Uh-huh. Mm. Okay, Chris.
1: I do two things at once. I do a shrimp or crab cocktail. Okay, mm-hmm. And endearing. it literally wow. is a appetizer and a drink all at once. We're wow, going to do, your and do that. I came up with it years ago. We were having people over for brunch and I overslept. <laughs> and my job was to get the drinks for when people come in, because that's the first thing you have to do, and to do a little appetizer. So what I decided I was gonna do was Bloody Marys and I was gonna do a little crab salad, you know, maybe on a little toast. So I wake up late, I'm not even showered, people are pulling in the driveway. Uh-oh. I had set up the I set up the bar for the you know, for the Bloody Marys already. So I had the mix made in the refrigerator, I had the glasses out, I had all that set up. And I had the crab already in a bowl, ready to go in the refrigerator. And I just was going to chop some stuff up. I don't know. I just panicked. And all of a sudden, I said, you know what? I'm just going to do it all at once. I had these nice, uh, like, martini-style <laughs> glasses. I threw the crab meat into the glasses. <gasps> And then, in a martini shaker, I poured my um, uh-huh. Bloody Mary mix. I put a big splash of vodka in, and then I drizzled in some olive oil and a little extra lemon juice. And as people were coming in the door, I was shaking it up on ice and pouring it over the crab salad, and then gave them a little fork mm. to eat the so crab they salad. So they, they had, had their drink, salad. they had their cocktail, and their appetizer all at once. Wow. I yep. think That's that a is idea. a genius
4: yep. idea. You could have yeah. pretended not to be home. <laughs> <laughs> that did cross my mind, but I You're did hiding. invite everybody, so
1: that would have been hard to get, believe me. If I could have got out of this at that point, I mean, I literally woke up as people were pulling. Wow, in the I love
0: this <laughs> hair sticking <laughs> up. You, you, you brush your them? teeth? Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: brushing my teeth <laughs> and shaking the martini. Yeah, you
3: handed them a savory cocktail, and they did not even notice that you had not brushed your hair.
1: Yes. that's right. Yes. That's no right. one said I didn't say anything. No one said anything to me uh, as as people <laughs> were saying Was that standing.
0: the whole breakfast? Or what?
1: yeah, no, no, as people. No, I was all set up to do a brunch afterwards, okay. but they oh, okay. gave me okay. the time. <laughs> right? People yeah. were mulling around, saying, "Oh, this is great! This is great!" I'm I like, got you know, soon as they Oh, finished. I got. I'll be right back. I run Bye, upstairs to the you. bathroom, Thank you for <laughs> <hair>. <laughs> quick shower, yeah. and then is that the hair dryer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once, once people got settled, then I broke out the eggs. That's great. Okay. What
0: about you, Mark? What do you? What's your? Well, I've always been a classic. Drink?
5: Classic. Bloody Mary, you know, but um, I've, I've recently found a really cool, like, spicy vodka. Oh, we're going to talk about that in that, yeah. an
0: upcoming show. Absolutely. Wait until you hear about this thing. So good. Wow. But, um, but
5: another cool idea along the lines of the cava is turning that into sort of a white wine sangria. Ooh. You know, chopping up some fresh fruit and putting it into either cava or white wine. People love fresh fruit in the morning. So, oh, that's yeah. a great idea! You know, and plus, you do it the night your before. Your pineapple, yeah, no sits matter, in the fridge. Sits in there, soaks in that. No matter what wine. you have
0: coming after, it just somehow goes with it, doesn't it? Absolutely. White sangria,
5: absolutely.
0: What kind of uh, white wine do you use?
5: For me, I'd use something along the lines of either a Sauvignon Blanc, something crisp mm-hmm. and bright like that, or maybe even a white Rioja, which would be ah, fun too. That's good. Yeah. Viuda, okay. maybe even a Torrontes <laughs> from uh, Chile. You know, yeah, from, is Argentina. That from Argentina. Oh, Argentina. Argentina. Okay. You
1: know the other one I like
5: is the beer and clamato
1: juice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you have one of those? We've done that here yeah. on the show, yeah. haven't we? Yeah. yeah. We I have. just I just think that's a great Sunday. You know, if you're if you want to stay away from wine or vodka or cocktaily kind of things, and you want something that's a little different.
0: I've loved all of these suggestions but i think we need inspiration i'm going to ask you now we're going to ask you on facebook yeah to tell us what is your brunch drink what is your go-to drink maybe you have alcohol maybe you don't you know there might be kids at the table whatever you choose to do and it may be that there's a particular restaurant you go to because on a mm. sunday i used to have a tradition years ago mm. In Provincetown, of going to a particular place on a Sunday. I'm going to talk about this in a future show. And they had a particular drink for brunch that was so fabulous. And these, you know, quite fabulous guys would walk around with trays and they were in Coast Guard suits with, with, nice. co- with Coast Guard hats. Honestly, it was, like, it. it was like a Bette Midler routine. Honestly, it was the most hilarious, skates. funny thing. Um, but the drinks were delicious. So I'll talk about that later. What about you? Is there a particular place that makes a drink? Remember I went to that place in Mystic that did the Bloody Mary with the, the bacon strip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Into in the table. Yeah. Engine room oh, in Mystic can- Connecticut. Room. I want you to go to Facebook right now and please talk with all of us about what kind of brunch drink you serve And uh, where do you get a brunch drink that you absolutely love? It's Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on Facebook. Can't wait to hear from you, and we'll chat back and forth with you. Yeah. We have coming up the cookbook, Gluten-Free, Cooking for Two. Now – If you are gluten-free, most recipes are for four, six, or eight people. Mm. So this is filling a niche in the market where if you're just two people and you want to be gluten-free or one of your guests is gluten-free, everybody can eat this. So whether you're gluten-free or not, you're going to, I think, have a good time with these recipes. Really, really Mm. fun. Chris knows that I found an article in the New York Times that knocked me out. It's called, As Japan Ages, Menus Adapt, to finding the gourmet in purees. This is a story about how Japan has the largest elderly population in the world. Wow. And that chefs, uh, homes where old people stay, uh, restaurants, Elderly people are quite revered in Japan, treated with so tremendous I respect. I love that. The chefs and all the food people are taking it seriously upon themselves to adapt the food world mm-hmm. to serve them and have them be as happy as everybody else. And they're oh.
1: really taking it to a new level, right? Not Over just the, puree piece. Yeah,
0: and again, not
1: just taking food and putting it in a blender, right, Faith? They were... Really, making things look like they really are or were, so in other words, they're molding it, and yes, it, it was pretty amazing, like
4: like using thickeners, and
1: yeah, things. yeah, go ahead well Faith. so
0: so um companies in Japan are developing these special thickening products that aren't junky or chemical-based, you know, weird. On this recent afternoon, this story says, they have this lunch menu of Japanese sea bass, sweet and sour marinated carrots and radishes with a side dish of spinach and mushrooms. So because when people are quite old, they have a little more difficulty swallowing, and there's a small portion of the elderly who have a tremendous amount of difficulty Mm -hmm. swallowing so they said what can we do about this they revere old people let's fix this for them so what they did at this restaurant was they swapped out the sea bass for a softer fish flounder they took the mushrooms out that's for the soft swallowers then for the serious problem swallowers they put the entire meal the protein into a food processor became a puree they added the thickening agent now it's a soft block and then they put the soft block in a fish mold, oh. took it uh-huh. out of the fish right. mold, yeah. put so seasonings sweet. on it, uh-huh. and did, you know, like fins with the yeah. carrots and uh-huh. the... So it doesn't look different than it looks, other food. It right. tastes right. like fish. It's yeah. gorgeous. And they can swallow it. And it's actually it. fish.
1: It's just beautiful. We should treat wow. yeah, older people agree. like that here. Yeah. As all of us sitting here are heading in that direction quite quickly. You <laughs> <laughs> take out your teeth,
3: Chris. <laughs> I would like to enjoy food when I'm 100 years old. Why should I not have the
0: (laughs) whole experience of that pleasure of the food just because I'm 100? Exactly. So chefs chefs said that they were so upset. Like one chef talks about watching this man who is 80 – the second that leeks came onto his plate, fork came out, pushed him aside, and the chef thought, I am not gonna be a restaurant that doesn't take care of our elderly, I'm doing it. And so he awesome. did this whole kind really of is. thing, and these nursing homes in Japan are now adapting this. And oh, wow. I just, I thought this was so incredible. We could
1: follow that lead, right?
0: I Listen, I know <laughs> a man who was in a nursing home because he is quite debilitated from a stroke, and they don't want him to have alcohol in the nurse not because his condition says he should have no alcohol but because they think it's kind of yeah. quote unquote bad for the nursing home and I think what in the world would you do that, that for? Let Leah. Yeah. You know, I suspect he has it anyway. Some <laughs> Friendly. <Agreed>. Friendly visitors.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Bottles under the bed.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is clear. I mean, if somebody's got a medication issue. Of mm. course, I'm not advocating yes. that but this is, I think, something else. But I something.
4: think it's the idea of just because Someone's old doesn't mean that they can't have quality of life and be respected and a- allowed yeah. to to be happy and to continue living and yeah. not rushing them to something.
0: And I must say that there are a lot of drugs now. Um, in the past, if you had chemo, it was very difficult. You couldn't eat. It felt oh. awful. Nothing appealed to you. But there are some drugs now yeah. that help preserve the appetite of people, even with serious mm. chemo and radiation treatments. Right. You know, my good friend, Joy Wolke, we had pizzas and Uh her favorite sparkling wine champagne right Uh up into the end and she could taste it all she loved it it was so wonderful I hope that happens for all of us Listen, on the other side of this break, we have a great red wine, a discovery for you. One of the most delicious and well, $20 a bottle. So I think quite affordable for in in terms of what the flavor of this wine is. More mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to feed the hungry. Their numbers are growing, folks. We're online now at foodschmooze.org and we'll be right back.
1: had a fight beans knocked cornbread out of
2: sight cornbread said now that's alright meet me on the corner tomorrow night I'll be ready
0: We have a free podcast for you, meaning you'll never miss a drop of pleasure on this show. All you do is go to our site, you sign up for it once, and then we automatically send you the Foochmoos every week. comes into whatever device you want, and you can listen whenever you want to. o r g, and you'll see podcast delivery. And you can also listen to our podcast on that site if you want to. I'm with my treasured food buddies. I just adore these people. Chris Brasberry, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. Wine broker Alex Province. It is so good to have you back. Uh Thank you. Welcome back. Um, And Mark Raymond, our wine broker. And Robin doyen Aiken, our senior producer. Here we go. We promised you a good wine discovery. I like this enough so that I went out and bought a case of it myself. Uh, It's $20 a bottle. It's a category for me where I would bring this to someone's home as a host gift. If it's a birthday or something, I might move up (laughs) even to 50 And this is on the lower side of that? So so this is $20, right? And it is a a Spanish wine. It's a Rioja. It is a beautiful red from Spain. Baron de Ley. And it's a Reserva. Mark? Your discovery. Thank you for this.
5: This is a wonderful wine that I've been drinking for many, many vintages, and the 2010 is really special. Right They're,
0: now, the 2011 is just arriving. And the
5: 2011 is arriving as well, so you might p- find both vintages out there, which is cool. kind side, of special. By side. But it is 100% mm. Tempranillo, and they nice. put it in barrel for, oh, mm. 24 months, mm. and then. In the bottle for another year. Oh. What I love about this mm. is just the silkiness on the palate. Really? It I is, love is Spanish so lines.
0: luscious. It, it has a kind of lip-smacking mm. quality to it. So it's all Tempranillo. Yes. Now, normally, mm. just all Tempranillo doesn't have a little kind of backbone. This does.
5: This does. That two years in new French
4: and American oak.
0: That's what does really it. Really wow.
4: just
5: gives What's it... Some what would these go
0: well depth. with? What, what do you all think?
4: Tempranillo is very similar to Pinot Noir, so I would do the classics. Duck would be yeah. great. Chicken. Chicken, anything Salmon. with tomato sauce is wonderful. You, you would? Salmon Absolutely. is perfect tomato with sauce? Salmon mm. is fantastic mm. with oh, oh, yeah. You do your classic paella, too, if you wanted if you <laughs> oh, yeah. Spanish. Yeah. you really
5: know,
6: Spanish. With yeah.
4: the chorizo and the fish and the In Spain and Rioja, where this comes from, Tempranillo would be the wine that they have with their entire cuisine. You know, here we have the luxury of having a zillion different grapes to choose from. Mm-hmm. In that region, the north coast of Spain, most of the red wines Tempranillo are coming from Rioja. So it's going with... All that great Spanish food. One of the things I
5: had this recently with is we make uh, chimichurri sauce with the parsley and the garlic. Yeah. So sure. I just take chicken thighs, put them into uh, you know a deep dish pan, rub them down with salt and then a little bit of chimichurri, and then roast them in the oven. It is Uh so, so good. (laughs) I like
0: that. Oh, I like that.
5: For a Monday, Tuesday night, Wednesday actually anytime, it's an easy one. You put the chicken in the oven for 45 minutes, you're done. (gasps) It's
6: great. I like that.
5: Yeah. And you
4: know, the other thing about Rioja that's awesome is that it's an appellation. It's a DOC in Spain, so it's so highly regulated. They regulate everything about the making of this wine Mm -hmm. from... How much grapes you can get from the land, whether or not you can add fertilizer, whether or not you can add sugar, which they can't. By definition, how long it has to be in tank and barrel. So Spain's finest wine comes from this region, Rioja. I have a basement full of this stuff. It's and my favorite, favorite stuff to drink.
5: It's probably the most recognized wine out of Spain. People see the name Rioja, and they're like, oh, I, I love Rioja. Mm-hmm. Rioja is, you know. Me too. And yeah. it's so delicious, so easy drinking. And there's so Food many different friendly. different variations. You can get the Crianza, which spends a little less time in barrel. You get Reserva, and then if you really want something super special that can be anywhere from like 30 to $50 a bottle, you get the Gran Reserva, which is oh. – they do all the aging for you is basically what that style is.
0: Where is this? Rioja. Rioja but and it's what, in a
5: little town called Mendavia, which is just outside uh-huh. of Legroño, so maybe 30 minutes south of
4: Legroño. If you took a flight to Madrid, rented a car, if you drove straight four hours to the north, you'll hit a mountain range called the Cantabria Mountain Range. And if you think of Ireland as being wet, <laughs> rains a lot. Well, this mountain range causes all the rain to fall on one side, which is Galicia, and then where Rioja is, oh. Oh. it's dry. They plant the grapes right up to this cliff that comes out of the ground. I mean, yeah. it's so cool. If you're into like wine country, Rioja is, is as pretty so as it is. spectacular. As they get. Yeah. Oh, so pretty. Really? Yeah. Oh, uh, I have
0: to see that. Absolutely. Another I feel road a, trip. I feel a trip coming up. <laughs> <The road> trip. <laughs> anyway, this is on our website. And this is Baron. Thank you, Mark Raymond. Yeah. Baron DeLay. B A R O N D E L E Y. It's a reserva, Rioja. We're going to feature the 2011, pretty much, which is just coming in and tastes quite good, according to Mark. So, Fantastic. Um, you'll see this on our website, foodschmooze.org. Great gift wine. If, you go, awesome. if it's somebody's birthday, it's host yummies gift. for me. Yeah, yeah, two oh, yummies. Ah. What's the scale of the me yummies? Me
4: too. It's one to three yummies.
1: For me yeah. to <laughs> write, right. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I bought
0: two a case yummies. of this. For, yeah, that's, because... that says a lot. Yeah. And I would
4: put a slight chill on this too. Cellar a temperature. Yeah, not... Great idea. In yeah. the refrigerator it, for 10 or 20 minutes, it exactly. should really be like you know, under 60 degrees is so good.
0: Okay. So now if you are a wine broker or distributor and you would like us to try uh, some of your portfolio – Please go to foodschmooze.org and um, and write a post to us, mm. and we'll be happy to make arrangements with you. That's how we yeah. discover these great wines. We have exactly. these big tastings, right. and we try them with food, usually the recipe of the day. And By the way, I had a Rioja last night, which I would ordered a glass of to try, knowing mm. what we were going to do today. This was another Rioja. Uh-huh. And then I thought, I'm hungry, so I did it backwards. I ordered the wine first, and then I realized (laughs) what I wanted was crab cakes. Now, you wouldn't normally pick a Rioja to go with crab cakes, technically. It was delicious together. Yeah. It's
5: a great pairing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I was going to say, the I lines would. are very versatile yeah. from Rioja. <laughs> like, they really are. You know,
2: a, like a fun
4: pairing is Manchego cheese. So if you're a Manchego oh, cheese yeah. fan, that oh, in a glass oh, of Rioja. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's,
0: that's how I like good. to end the meal, right? Yeah. Or start oh, sure. or skip or start, the
5: meal. Just, just, just the, meal and the and cheese. Just cheese and wine. <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: Hey, has anybody had a food uh, failure lately? I just had one. How about you? Anybody have food? one? Food failure.
4: One that we want to admit.
0: Sure, sure. I always think it's encouraging to hear the. Let me tell you what happened. I was making Johnny Cakes yeah. and I didn't really watch carefully and I burned them. I mean, mm. black in the, the cast iron skillet. And I was so furious. Aww. And so I just took the spatula and just threw them in the trash. And then I just said, for God's sakes, I want cornbread, something right now. Grabbed a bowl in a kind of kitchen fury. <laughs> Threw cornmeal in, didn't even measure it. You know, you have to measure mm. it in baking. <laughs> didn't measure it, just went into the bowl. Then I went and got some butter, and I just yeah. threw it in. I just grabbed some flour, no measuring. Mm. <laughs> salt, just grabbed my hand into the salt thing and went in the... I thought, if this comes out, it will be a miracle. So, dumped it, <laughs> stir, 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 <laughs> dumped it into the... Uh, on milk. Mm. Dumped it into the cast iron skillet. With a little bacon grease on the bottom, threw it in the oven. I don't even look at the timer. I'm just standing around, just infuriated with myself.
6: Mm.
0: Out it comes. And what had I created? It was either it's like a cross between a pancake,
6: (laughs) (laughs) a corn pancake,
0: and a cookie all oh, right sure it was fantastic corn cookies it I was like it. really and then i should have wrote I all thought, those ingredients those measurements so down it cr- was crunchy crispy it sounds so
4: colonial yeah, yeah. and so i thought wow this is
0: like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i had a bonnet people, on pe- yeah people in period clothing serving it right <laughs> So and then I thought, okay, what can I do now? So I put butter on the top mm. of each, cut it in oh, wedges, nice. butter on the top, put it in the toaster oven, yeah, yeah. and crisped up so that the tops had this buttery thing, and it was like eating, I don't know. It was a it
1: doesn't have to be, Right, doesn't yeah. have to be difficult or measured. I
0: think I should do a cookbook, mm-hmm. Cooking While Furious.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <Nice>.
3: <laughs> My mom always says to, to never cry while you're cooking because you'll put your sadness into the food. Oh. So that is true. If, Yeah, in this case, Faith made this pancake fear for its life it had to be good
4: uh, I, I like that yeah. that's there a good way go. to put it so I I like I've, that. I've got a one uh, that's not mine so i got a text the other day from my friend bob saying his crab cakes were falling apart mm. and so matt's trying to google and thinking all right put the batter in the refrigerator for an hour and it helps it is that right chris mm-hmm. yeah but that didn't work for him yeah and then Matt said, oh, you should propose, uh, like, an egg as a binder. And then he called to say, no, it still fell apart. So what did he do wrong, you What
0: think? would you do, Chris, if you had you had So he made a crab cake, cake bag, yeah.
4: and it fell
1: apart. Then it's too wet. So more breadcrumbs yeah. or – Yeah, and that's the thing. With breadcrumbs,
0: more I don't – breadcrumbs are more crab?
1: I don't like crab cakes that are all breading. What I always do, and when I tell people to make crab cakes, is to start without the crab. To get the consistency of the medium oh. done first, then you can add as little binder as you need. So start off with a little breadcrumb because you need a little, right? Yeah. yeah. And then add your—it's usually mayonnaise to it, right? So add your mayonnaise to your mixture. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, it has to have Old Bay, and you get that to a good consistency. So don't add a lot of mayonnaise; just add a little teaspoon at a time, right? And mix it until you and get. And what do them. I want? You for want to you want to be able to mold it in your hands.
0: And when just does the crab molded. go in?
1: The crab goes in after you get that consistency because then you can load it with crab and you have the binder already set yeah okay does that, that make sense good. right yeah. because when once you get to where your friend was then the only way to fix it really is to keep adding stuff to you get it to that consistency ah. and now you're going to have a lot more breading probably and you wasted than, all your crab too. yeah and your mm-hmm. crabs already in there and the only way to get it back to make it formable crab cakes is actually to have more <laughs> stuff in it
0: i have a greedy question for you Go how for could i make almost solid crab crab cake Well, I'm I'm gonna have a little crunch on the outside and so that my crab meat is bound with something and then I'm gonna put it in a a, a, a a minute. We make
1: that as an appetizer sometimes and then what we do there is Mm -hmm. we take our crab meat and we just mix it with a little bit of egg. That's it. Nothing else in seasoning, Old Bay, and whatever, and then we bread the outside of it. So the filling isn't. Uh So there's no bread on the inside, but it's not. I mean, this is the thing. And I've been doing this with crab cakes for a long time now. You don't want to. When you get people in from the Chesapeake Bay area, uh (laughs) if the crab, even though you're using the blue crab from the Chesapeake Bay. If you don't get the proportions down right the, and the way they taste and feel in your mouth, they will come into the kitchen
5: Uh-oh.
1: and almost give it to you as far as messing up the crab cake. And you can even explain, well, I did a different style of crab cake and I made that mistake once <laughs> because when the Chesapeake cake, there is no other style <laughs> of crab cake. Well, you <laughs>
0: have, I have to say that their crab cakes are the best, are- right? Yeah. The best, yeah. just fall to your knees, incredible. They have fresh crab
4: that's still
1: alive, yeah. and. and it's yeah, not you as
0: expensive. For yeah, them and as we it use canned can crab. Though. When
1: you use the pasteurized canned crab in a crab cake, very hard to tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. now when you're eating it. Yeah, totally easy to tell the difference. But if it's mixed in a crab cake, it's hot. It has the sauce on the side. So, so for me yeah. to
0: make a pure crab cake mm-hmm. and just roll the patty in some breading yeah, on Yeah, the and end.
1: then fry it.
0: What did you say it was? Just a little bit of crab meat. And a little, a little bit of egg. A seasoning.
1: I might not even use a whole egg. You do I'll whip the egg, and... and then I'll add the egg to the crab just to, again, get it to where I can form a patty. The patty. And these are very loose and really delicate. So you have to be very yeah. careful, and then you very softly flour, egg, mm-hmm. breadcrumb. And then I may even do egg, breadcrumb one more time just to make sure it holds nice and together, mm-hmm. and then deep fry it. So maybe soft-shell crab is easier. Soft-shell crab, Deep-fry it? Yeah, I deep-fry those. It just has a yeah. shorter season. That's <laughs> yeah. the problem with that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Just but fry the there crab. Is love that season. And, oh. and, and Old Bay was made for crab cakes. Yeah. That's the seasoning mix. It's a lot of celery seed or a lot mm. of celery salt and, and some other spices, a little it, bit of cayenne. Do you put and,
0: it in the crab, the fresh crab or do you put it in the the uh, stuff you're going to coat the crab cake in?
1: Everything. Anytime now. And I agree with it because it's a seasoning <laughs> it specifically in. made for crab. Uh,
4: Have we made an Old Bay cocktail?
1: Actually, actually, no, because I've never used it in anything else. We will. What's in the Old Bay
4: cocktail? We've got to invent it. Oh, Oh,
5: oh, use
0: that seasoning.
5: Put it into the Bloody Mary mix with your crab. Oh,
0: gosh. Just stick with me. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you more about that Mm -hmm.
4: later.
0: (laughs) You can make, and
1: I have made gluten-free crab cakes using gluten-free panko. And that stuff really does work well. Oh. Because, again, when you make crab cakes, you want as little as this stuff as
4: possible in your mix. I bet we can make a seafood paella using Old Bay.
3: Absolutely. Ooh, it would taste oh, yeah. like the Chesapeake Bay. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, what Let's do what that. a good idea Ooh.
0: with a lot of crab in oh, it. Oh, yeah. We, uh, the Ooh. other thing I use it for is when I do crab bowls. Oh, right? You, great you idea. your water or oh, your yeah. beer
1: right. with mm. the Old Bay. Yeah. And then you boil your
4: crabs in them. We have a lot of cooking to do. Really, we do. We're due for a paella. That's
1: summer. We
0: (laughs) We need some favorable weather. No snow. And then we're going (laughs) out. We're going outside. We're going to make paella. Can we Mm. do it the easy way? Yeah, we should film
1: it. Alex is our. Is our. Can I do easy?
0: (laughs) 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 No. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. (laughs) All right, my friends the gluten-free cookbook for two these are great recipes anybody no matter you're gluten-free or not you're going to want to make these we love the local please support your local food growers and food makers and for on-demand podcast delivery of this food Schmooze party every week and all of our curated recommendations for food wine cocktails restaurants all kinds of stuff go to foodschmooze.org and we'll be right back is the Food Schmooze Party so offering the richness of life so and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island. Of course, that includes the Hamptons. The senior producer is Robin doyon Aiken. And to hear this show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online at foochmoves.org. Okay, here we go. This is kind of fun because Carol Fenster has written 11 cookbooks. You might remember that she has done this book called A Thousand Gluten-Free Recipes. She's contributed to Washington Post, New York Times, lives in Colorado. This is a very important book for people who are gluten-free or who have friends who are gluten-free and want to make the meal for everyone at the table, including the gluten-free person. So the gluten-free person doesn't have a separate dish. What if it's just two of you and one of you is gluten-free? All the recipes call for four, six, and eight servings. So Carol has jumped right into this slot, and we're very grateful she has done this book called Gluten-Free Cooking for Two. So, Carol, welcome to the Food Schmooze Party.
6: I'm delighted to be with you all.
0: Oh, it's so nice. So so tell me, did you take recipes that you've already, I mean, you did a thousand recipes. Did you take those recipes and then adapt them for two?
6: Yes. I had a blinding slice of the obvious one day, and I realized in my own life I had been cooking with full-size recipes all my lifetime. And now my husband and I were down to empty nesters, and I was wasting tons of food. You know, like you said before, most recipes are four to six servings, and And I began seeing in the mainstream, there's nothing for gluten-free people who need to eat in two-serving, two-person meals. So yes, and the recipes in the book, there's 125 of them, are really our family favorites, the things that we eat the most often. Are you and your mate both
0: gluten-free or is just one of you gluten-free? Just
6: me, just
0: me. But he has
6: been having to eat gluten-free with me for about the last 30 years.
0: Here's my question on that that I think is the key to all this as we get to your layered bean tortilla casserole in a (laughs) cast-iron skillet, which we just had here. It was so good. But how do you make dishes gluten-free where they're so good that you don't even have to tell the people at the table that they're gluten-free? How do you make it appealing for your mate as well as yourself
6: well you have to have the right ingredients first of all and and i think that we didn't have good ingredients 30 years ago now we have much better ingredients the tortillas that you ate in the dish today they're wonderful we have great pastas we have great flours now that we can use and so it's a matter of taking the right ingredients And then figuring out the right proportions, and that's really key to balancing the flavors and trying to replicate the flavors that we remember. Mm -hmm. In my case, I grew up eating wheat. I was raised on a wheat farm. Wheat was a predominant food at our table. So I grew up with the flavor of wheat in my taste buds. And that's what's really hard because our taste buds get accustomed to a certain way. Like we think bread should taste a certain way. But what we're really tasting is wheat. And so what we gluten-free cooks have to do is rewrite the recipe to use the right blend of flours in this case, the right seasonings, sometimes we use more seasonings to kind of balance the flavors. Okay, It's, it's very interesting and it's, it's a chemistry project. Each mm-hmm. recipe is like a big chemistry project.
0: Yeah, I like mm. this. I like the <laughs> architecture of what you're describing. I want to talk with Chris about this layered bean and all of you here because we just all ate this together. Oh, yeah. Your layered bean tortilla casserole. Think cast iron skillet. It makes two servings. This has corn tortillas, a can of black beans or you could use pentagonal beans, salsa, fresh or frozen corn, some shredded Monterey Jack cheese, chopped cilantro if you have it, if you like it rather. And then you can use garnishes like sour cream or onion or avocado. So Chris, tell tell how easy it was. First,
1: Carol, I love this recipe. I loved it even more last night when I was putting (laughs) it together. It's A, so simple to make, and B, Uses basically everything I already had. My pantry is loaded with this kind of stuff.
0: And this is on our website right now. Foodschmooz. dot Okay, so tell us how this came together. It's so easy. It's like mind
1: blowing. So, corn tortillas. You spray or oil the bottom of a cast iron pan, or if you don't have that, you can use a little cake pan. That's what I used. Then you top it with drained and rinsed black beans. A little scoop of salsa. I used the salsa I had in my pantry. Grab some frozen corn. Put a little bit of that on there, and then topped it with cheese. Then another layer goes on, right? Another tortilla, and so, you so do that like again. Yeah. Then you do that again, and then you put another tortilla, and you do it one more time, leaving that open. Then it gets a little cilantro, and you toss it in the oven, covered first to get it nice and toasty. And then you uncover it. It gets nice and crispy on the outside. Oh, yeah. Um, Took it out of the oven, let it sit for a couple of minutes, and then cut it into quarters, and – Oh, my God. It was so delicious. It
0: is delicious. Avocado on top with
1: sour cream. And, I mean, it's funny because I didn't have to buy anything (laughs) to make this.
0: Yeah, with a little (laughs) kava with this. Oh, Oh, that sounds
6: so good. Something else that's great about that recipe is at 4 p.m. on any given day, about three-fourths of us don't even know what we're going to have for dinner that night. And you walk in the kitchen coming home from work, like, what am I going to do that's quick? This thing can go together so quickly. And you'll have dinner on the table before you know it. And while it's baking, you could make a salad or set the table and all those things you have to do. But that's what I like about it. It's sort of an impromptu dish if you want to use it as one of your backups when you come home and you have nothing planned.
1: And I like what you say. You could use anything. Right? Yeah. Just use yeah. this as a template, but if you don't have beans in your pantry, oh well, and use something sure. else. Oh, sure. Right? Chicken, shrimp. Oh, chicken yeah. if you shred had it from before, Chip shrimp. shrimp yeah. Chicken, peas, whatever you want. Whatever it you just, want. Is, you have the tortillas and some cheese. You really can put whatever you want on this. I thing.
0: mean, if you had frozen spinach, if you totally. had frozen peas. Yeah. Really, just huh. think of what can go in. So, Carol, I want to do something. This is Carol Fenster. Her book is called Gluten Free Cooking for Two. Hundred and twenty-five of her favorites, and I want to try something that is very much in season because sometimes gluten-free eaters are not eating seasonally. They're more eating things they feel deprived of. So there's a lot of bacon, <laughs> a lot of crackers and breads, and you know. But this is not asparagus soup. It normally doesn't have any problems with gluten anyway, right? So, right. but this is a very easy. Soup using fresh asparagus of the mm. season right now mm. that was just beautiful. And we put this on the website too, org. Carol, tell me about this. You use gluten free chicken or vegetable broth, right? right?
6: There's a couple things that usually can go wrong with soups when it comes to gluten free. One is the broth, because there are brands out there that do have wheat in them yes. still. Oh. You got to read mm. the labels. Yeah. The mm. other thing that can happen with soups, even though they're, they seem to be sort of safe, is to how we thicken them. And so I avoided any major thickeners here. We use sweet rice flour or cornstarch as a thickener, but that's a safe thickener Mm -hmm. for folks who can't have wheat. I meant this to be a template for any kind of vegetable. So you basically cook the asparagus and the um, leeks, which add wonderful flavor. I went back at that point that I mentioned earlier about trying to balance flavors and make sure that things taste just as normal as possible. You simmer that in the gluten-free chicken broth or vegetable broth if you want this to be a a vegan or vegetarian dish, and a little bit of salt and pepper, and then whatever herb you like. I'm partial to thyme, but you might use dill. Whatever is in season, you simply simmer it till the asparagus and leeks are done, and then you whirl it along with the thickener. You could either use sweet rice flour, which I really like, or cornstarch. And by the way, the sweet rice flour is not the same rice flour that you think of when you see a recipe that says brown rice flour or white rice flour. This is actually sweet rice flour, and it's made from the same sweet rice that you get in Chinese or, or Asian restaurants. like The stuff that clumps together is also called sticky rice, or sometimes, unfortunately, it's called glutinous rice. It doesn't have gluten, but it it's called that, yeah. you know. That's what we're talking about, and it's easily available through grocery stores.
0: And why do you like that?
6: It thickens more like wheat flour does. You know, if you use cornstarch, which is okay, it's a little shinier, more appropriate, I think, for desserts. But in this small amount, you're not going to notice it. If you hold up a dish thickened with wheat flour and then hold it up against one thickened with sweet rice flour, Mm -hmm. they will look far more alike than the Mm -hmm. one with cornstarch. Cornstarch lends that kind of glossy, glossy, translucent look yes. that you might not want in a savory dish. Am okay,
0: I- think about this. Think about how easy it is to make your own asparagus soup where you've chopped up a leek and just the white parts. Then you've got the chicken broth or vegetable broth, a little tiny bit of butter, salt and pepper, and then that the herb thing that Carol's talking about, and that rice flour, sweet rice flour, or if you, if you can't get it, cornstarch. And what happens, you put the saucepan on, and you've got half the broth mixed with the asparagus, the leeks, the butter, the salt, and the pepper. And you bring it to a boil, let it simmer for a while, covered for about five minutes. And these leeks and asparagus are are poaching in that broth, so now it's flavored, right? And then with a, a slotted spoon, you take the asparagus and leek out, and you put it in a blender, And you put the rest of the broth in there with the herbs and the rice flour, and you just puree it for about a minute, and it's incredibly smooth. And now it goes back into the pan, and you cook the soup. Mm. You can garnish with a few more leeks if you want or whatever you want to do. Talk about fresh, seasonal, delicious. Mm, I would put some snipped garlic Mm, chives on on top top of that. Oh, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's on our website, (laughs) foodschmooze.org, including information about Carol Finster's book. Carol, it's so hard to know what to talk with you about. There's so many things in here. How about if I don't let you get away, Carol, without talking about... (laughs) no problem. I want you to talk about a dessert. I am a fan of carrot cake. Carrot cupcakes are just the best. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And you have a recipe in here for these. This is, um, you've got a batter with Carol's Gluten-Free Flour Blend of your own design. Yes. Granulated sugar, brown sugar, so white and brown, cinnamon, xanthan gum, baking soda, salt, an egg, a little canola oil, crushed pineapple, shredded carrots, Mm. sweetened shredded coconut, And some chopped walnuts. Oh, you can see. How can this go wrong? Um, These should be on Easter brunch table. table. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm not someone who puts cream cheese frosting on my carrot cake or my carrot cupcakes. I I know. I'm the only one on Earth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like a different frosting. But that's okay. Carol's got a beautiful cream cheese frosting in here for the majority of the people in America. Easy Mm -hmm. to do, right?
6: Very easy. I think the reason I put that in the book is, like you, I am a huge carrot cake fan. It's one of those recipes that has a lot of ingredients in it. And the problem with someone who's trying to wing it and convert a, a large, you know, most carrot cakes are like bundt cake size, huge. Trying to convert your own recipe down to be two servings is really Uh, It takes a lot of kitchen math, and so I thought, this is definitely a recipe that's got to go in the book because I had to figure out just how much do you use of each ingredient to make all the flavors balance out and the texture be right and, you know, have it look and taste just like the real thing. And then I decided to bake them in cupcakes because I think cupcakes are the perfect solution when you're cooking for just two people. Mm. They're automatically proportioned for Mm. you. You don't have to cut into a cake and then worry about how do I keep that cake from going stale or drying out. But you make cupcakes, and then you have – enough for your one meal, and then maybe a couple left, it makes six that you would actually have four left. But at least you can wrap them and store them. So can you freeze them without the cans. frosting? Yeah, definitely. I freeze them all the time. Huh. You could always eat
5: two that day. Well, yeah. Could, yeah. Why do you have to have one? <laughs> Three, one. one for breakfast. And don't Come forget on. your neighbors. <laughs> so, um,
6: one thing I learned is that measuring carefully is really critical in small-scale baking because the volume is so much smaller, and so whereas in a large full scale recipe maybe 1 tablespoon one way or the other isn't going to make that much difference in a small recipe like this it can make a huge difference so i had to get it right yeah. the end result is carrot cake what could Ooh. be better mm-hmm. oh yeah. and
0: when oh, yeah. you bite into and you get a little nut in there when you, where you ch- oh, oh it's yeah. Just yeah. so a delicious walnuts. carrot cake
3: i would never advocate the idea of making two separate things you know one mm-hmm. dessert for your gluten free friends and one dessert for yourself but you know, maybe you're having a party and you really have your heart set on a dessert that is not gluten-free. Go ahead and make that. These cupcakes are easy enough. And I would not mind, in this case, because they are so good, making a separate dessert for my
0: gluten-free mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. But oh, if yeah. I'm not gluten-free, I have no problem eating these. Absolutely yeah, But <laughs> <laughs> so this is on our website, too, Carrot Cake Cupcakes, at foodschmooze.org, including information about your book. Very quickly in this last minute, this is kind of a dirty trick, but... What do you, you grew up on a wheat farm. Yeah. What do you think accounts for the rising numbers of people who have become gluten-sensitive or discovered they have celiac, but mostly it's a high level of gluten-sensitive people? What do you think is happening?
6: There are several theories that are posed. One is that we were always there. We just were diagnosed with something else. You know, uh-huh. That's one possible theory. There's been research that's shown, though, out of the male Clinic, that the percentage of people that have celiac disease has actually grown at a very high rate since they were taking data back right after World War II. One of the theories that's advanced by one of our leading doctors, Dr. Fasano, is that there might be something going on with our Our gut structure I don't know that anyone knows for sure And I'm certainly not an expert in the why It's just that we need gluten-free food Just like a diabetic Mm -hmm. needs insulin
0: As doctors will tell Mm -hmm. you People are coming in and saying Something is wrong when I eat Mm -hmm. Anything with wheat in it And they're not making it up So I'm so glad we had a chance to talk about this Love your book Thank you for being on the show
6: Thank you You all were delightful to talk (laughs) with
0: Enjoy Colorado Bye-bye Carol Fenster, author of Gluten-Free Cooking for Two Thanks, my buddies. We're on WNPR Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for my 60-second food schmoozes. And never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton.
6: Everybody eats when they come to mind.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast on your schedule. And when you need a little party in your life, we're here and online all the time at foodschmooze.org. And, of course, also on Facebook at Faith Middleton Food Schmuse. See you there.